0: The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.
1: Welcome to the Animal Communication Podcast, where we talk to animals. We're your hosts, Karen Dundee-Smith, Meredith Tolleson, and Julie Heert.
0: Every week, we'll share insights and stories from the animals, We'll also share how animal communication is a huge part of our lives, influencing our own growth, as well as deepening the relationship
2: with our animal family. We'll be weaving in special guests and animal communication readings, so join us as we discuss all things animal communication.
0: Welcome to the Animal Communication Podcast. This is Karen Dendy-Smith, and I will be your moderator today for our discussion. Please say hi, Julie and Meredith.
2: Hi, this is Julie. And hi, it's Meredith.
0: And today we are going to talk about the Rainbow Bridge. This is actually a really big topic, and we know that. We could probably talk for hours about this. So this is our first dip into this big topic, and we'll probably talk about it again as you listen to us as we go on and on with our podcasts and get more and more in-depth with our topics. But today we want to talk about the concept a little bit where we think it may have come from. We've done a little bit of reading about it. And we also want to share what the animals have told us from their perspective about what it is to them. Okay, so the first thing we want to talk about um, is the history. We did a little reading. We pulled a little, read a few articles. And there is one article in particular where a lot of this is pulled together, and we will drop it into our notes so that you guys can check it out for yourselves from from Medium, which is an online magazine. But it's really interesting because the concept of the of the pet rainbow bridge is believed to maybe have come from a Norse mythology about the Bifrost bridge. I hope I'm saying that right for everyone who actually speaks <laughs> the language who speaks Norse mythology. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, if you speak <laughs> Norse mythology, I hope I said it right. Bifrost yeah. bridge. So that bridge was said to be a burning rainbow bridge and uh it reached from between Midgard, which is Earth, and Asgard, the realm of the gods. So that's that's a really cool beginning story about how we would tra- transition from the human realm into the realm of the gods. And then the first reference of this came about as um, a meadow in which pets awaited their owners. And that can be found in this really cool book called Beautiful Joe's Paradise by Margaret Marshall Saunders. So that's an interesting book to read if you're really interested about the story of this story and the Rainbow Bridge. And then the first appearance of the Rainbow Bridge in relation to animals is believed to come from a poem by Paul C. Dom, and he was a grief counselor in Oregon. And the most popular Rainbow Bridge poem that everybody knows worldwide came later. And it's, um, a poem written by Steve and Diane Bedofsky. And they're a couple that actually operated a ferret rescue, which I didn't know that part. Did you guys that they operated a ferret rescue? That's really cool. Right. Yeah. That's super cool. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's like in short, a little bit of the history for people. So they, they know how long this idea has actually been around in our DNA and the human construct, but Julia Meredith, like what other images and concepts have you guys come across?
1: So my favorite, one of my favorite ones, is the movie with Robin Williams and Cuba Gooding Jr. that was called "Where Dreams What Dreams May Come," where when Robin uh, transitions to the to heaven or whatever you want, whatever you like to call it, he enters this area that's like this huge, big landscape expanse, and the trees have rainbow colored leaves, and Every single dog he ever knew of comes running to meet him. And that's always I was like, oh, my gosh, that's how it that's how it feels for me. And actually, sometimes the the animals that I connect with will show me that, too. Another uh, reference that I've found, too, is from a book by an author named T.J. Clune. That wrote the book under the whispering door, and it's about a place where a particular guy who needs to transition, uh, but he's not had the best outlook on life, and so he enters this house. And at some point, there's a, a door in the roof of the house that leads to heaven. And I remember in one scene, he opens that, and there was a dog and spirit in the book, and the dog and spirit can move between the door and into the house, into the door and into the house. So that was another reference that I've
2: seen. You know, it's interesting. People ask me frequently. My clients ask me, "What does it look like? You know, can my animal show you what it looks like? You know, I work a lot in visuals and and symbolism. And so I've got a couple of different scenes that tend to pop up. And this is sort of my concept of how the animals show me that they are comfortable and at peace and no longer in pain and happy and all of those things. And one of them looks like the the mountaintop from Sound of Music where Julie Andrews holds her arms out and spins around and throws her head back and looks at the bright blue sky. And it gives me such a feeling of joy and freedom and expression. A lot of animals use that symbology to to show me sort of what they're feeling. And then the other is a great big meadow. It's a great big meadow full of flowers and tall grasses. And there's an apple tree. And I don't know why it's an apple tree, but everything sparkles and twinkles. And then I see the animals, the dogs, the cats, the ferrets, whatever it may be, like jumping up and down in and out of the grass and just expressing movement and joy. This to me, these are two scenes that kind of show up in my toolbox of um, the concept of a Rainbow Bridge space, just showing how good they feel, even though they've left their bodies.
0: I love that, Meredith. How um, they've given you what you call the toolbox, because intuitively we're getting all these vibrations and messages, and they have to make sense through our own brains and toolboxes. So I love how you know that becomes like a sign for you, and it's really fascinating because similarly, and it's really surprising because you and I, you and I have never really talked about this part. They similarly do sometimes show me being in this the most beautiful field. And the colorization of that field is so bright. It's like, you couldn't see those colors here. They're just so rich and bright and clean and layered on top of each other is kind of the the way they show it to me. So that's really cool that they're showing it to you similarly. And the other thing that they do sometimes for me, when it comes to explaining what it's like on the other side, once they're there, and we're going to get to like, what they're talking about, about getting there, but um, once they're there, they will reference back for their person, and this is the cool part because we don't know what the most amazing joy would be for each animal that they didn't get to have at the end anymore. You know, so for me, sometimes an animal will say, "Oh my God, I can eat whatever I want." It's like I'm eating steak, and 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 they'll go into a litany of stuff that they're eating, and the person will be like, "That's all the stuff that I had to stop feeding them." Right, So it's really cool how they use those things as the 3D experience to get the point of joy across that their soul is fully feeling now that they're free and completely whole in their consciousness again. So I I love that
1: so what's so what's interesting to me and i don't know if you so for those of you who are on zoom and they can see my faces as i'm saying this so as meredith was talking about the apple tree i had a reading with a woman the um list earlier this week whose animal had crossed and kept showing us apple trees apple trees and she didn't understand what the reference was and when you said that i I, because i don't remember what happens in a reading right and but when you said that i'm like oh that's what you that's what the animal was showing like another aspect of this concept of um of heaven the rainbow bridge whatever apple trees oh my gosh mayor and there's an apple tree in my yard right outside my window okay there's something going on here this is that synchronicity that we've talked about in earlier episodes
2: too live and in real time (laughs) wow that's so cool i love it love love Mm -hmm. love it Mm -hmm. we may need to look up whether there's some symbolism in an apple tree because I don't, we don't have apples where I am. We don't have apple trees. Um, that's just not a thing in my part of the world. So why is it this tree that I know represents an apple tree? There yeah. may be some sort of symbology there. Hmm. We will
1: have to look that up and get back to everybody. Yeah, I, yeah, that's <laughs> so Symbology,
2: cool. Yeah. cool. So
0: with that, it's kind of like, okay, so they're, they show us like how happy they are when they get there. Like there's this, vibrational joy that they are completely aware of when they're like wholly in their spirit right because the 3d limitations and all the stuff that they've been feeling toward the end of their lives is just completely not there anymore and their full consciousness is really bright And full right because the other thing that they show me is they are so full and bright and their energy is so much bigger than the maybe chihuahua sized body they had or even the saint bernard sized body that they had they're just so much bigger and fuller than the limitations of their 3d bodies you know that's really cool to to think about that expansion that they feel that we Mm -hmm. all feel when we free ourselves and that's that's the other thing i wanted to ask you guys about which is you know, what are they telling you about crossing? Like when they're getting in their transitional phase and right at that moment of crossing, like what are they, what are they telling you? I, I'm really want to hear from you guys on that. I was just going to say, are you talking about the imagery of
1: when, as they cross? because i i don't know if i well one time i had somebody that i was with as they actually crossed and in this particular case the animal filled me it was it was a dog and the animal filled me with just gratitude for the human that took really good care of she was a rescue dog Took really good care of her, and it was the woman actually wasn't with her. The human client wasn't with her. She was on a business trip and found out that something was going on with their dog. So the husband was actually with the dog as it crossed. But she had me connect with the dog, to, and I not that I escorted it, but what happened as it moved, and it was just more about this this big humongo feeling of gratitude. I can't even describe how freeing it was, and the message that the animal was trying to get across to its human.
2: Meredith, what about you? Well, I'm actually thinking of where this began for me. And I think it's based on a personal story. When one of my own animals was was crossing, I hadn't fully understood. I may have talked about Boris at one point before, but I hadn't fully understood how I would feel about losing one of my own animals as I was beginning this journey into animal communication. And this kitty was old and diabetic and only had one ear. He was an awesome cat. And he made it very clear to me through a reading with the colleague and then when I trusted the information to me um, that he didn't want any assistance. He was going to do this his own way. It was going to be very peaceful. It was going to be um, beautiful in a strange way. And it was. Um, I sat with him for hours holding him. And as he was losing his life force, as his energy was leaving, I started feeling feelings in my body. And, um, you know, I was holding it with my eyes closed and I had visuals with it as well. So I started feeling this tingling, you know, almost a vibration, but a a sparkly tingle through my body. And it's like it increased. It moved through my body. It started at the tips of my fingers and toes and then moved up my arms and up my legs. And once it encompassed my whole torso and then started moving across my face and, and to the top of my head, was the moment that he looked up at me and took his last breath and crossed over. Well, now I think Boris works as one of my helper animals in a lot of readings. And when I'm working with an animal who is in the process of transitioning, I get these same sort of tingly feelings in my body. And I can tell to some extent how close they are by how much of my body, this this tingly n- electrical sort of numbness is covering so that's an interesting thing that I'm observing the more I work with clients I'm observing to see if that continues to be consistent and so far it has been
0: that's that's really that's really what an amazing gift he gave you on with his passing to share with you and collaborate with you on how that feels you know for him that's really beautiful and it reminds me of like when my hockey puck passed everybody knows he's my soul baby by now And I similarly, I was holding him as they were, you know, assisting him in passing. And just as he took his last breath, I literally felt this wave go literally into my chest, open up my chest and run up through my, the top of my head and out like an inside wave went up and through the top of my head and out. And, and that was his way of saying to me, I'm free. So that, that was a really, of course, now we're talking about this, everyone, as if it's all cool. And we know it's not cool. We know that um, when they leave, they, they basically take a piece of our hearts with them. And it is a really deeply grief stricken period in our lives, a big heartache in our lives. But we just wanted to be, we want to be able to share like what they're doing and what they, how they see it even though we feel very much left behind, you know? And to that to that point lo, though, like what, what words have they, how have they literally described it to you guys? Because I honestly have never had an animal say to me, I died, yeah. not once. And I've been doing this now for, you know, what, three or four years and hundreds of readings and none of them have ever used the word death. For me, the key words they use are, thank you for freeing me if there's assistance or I've come back into wholeness, I shed what I didn't need. Like those are the kinds of like, that's the kind of language that I'm hearing. And how about you guys? What, what are they using for descriptions for you to share with their humans?
1: I do get, again, a lot of gratitude and whatnot. And I get, I actually have them before the transition, either asking for help or saying no, I, I can handle it and, and checking in along the way, if you will, throughout the whole process. Um, but for me, they don't, they prefer not to use the word death, dying, anything like that. And they've actually said, you know, you can call it transition, transformation running free a lot of times, you know, particularly with dogs that I find that, you know, were couldn't didn't have that had mobility issues at the end. But yeah, they they've actually said please don't use the word death because it it signifies to humans that there's a finality to it. And for us, there is no we're still here. There's still other things we're gonna do. Um and so we don't want you to think that it's a period at the end of a sentence.
2: I love that. Yeah, I like that you say that, and I realize that I use a lot of language about transition and crossing over, and sometimes those words feel a little awkward to me. But they're the words that the animals have have shown me. You're right; I, they don't say death, dying. Um, I frequently talk about, um, or they frequently talk to me about leaving this body. It's all energy, and the energy is just returning to source. And mm-hmm. then, you know, here's another imagery of the afterlife, if you will, I see it like a disco ball, you know, it. everyone's coming back together into this sparkly thing. And as it turns, little sparkles come off of it. And those can often be, you know, lots of little signs from, from our animal friends that have, have gone to the other side, gone to the other side, crossed over. These are all, I don't know, they feel kind of like awkward words, but they come from the animals. So Mm -hmm. I'll continue to
0: use them it's kind of interesting that you say those words are kind of awkward because they are awkward because we're trying to use 3d construct words for something that isn't 3d. Yeah. But we have to try to make sense of it in our realm, you know, and in, in our way of living right now, what are in the the place and space our souls are inhabiting right now. Mm-hmm. So, and they don't have to, they are aren't limited here anymore. So we're trying to use our words to explain something that is, not limiting anymore. So it definitely makes sense that they feel awkward to describe what we're getting and knowing about, but there aren't real words for. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, that's always a really, really point. Yeah. And it's always so hard when it's this knowing that comes through this whole download and then trying to put it into, for, you know, English <laughs> It's yeah, it's always, it's a challenge, but, but they do, they actually will help as far as pick those words. Which is why I think to us, like you were saying, both Karen and Meredith, it's hard because they're helping pick the words and they're using different language, if you will. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, the other thing that always strikes me, and I'm curious what you guys think about it, is everyone you know they always want to talk about the the plan right this larger plan the destiny of the destiny of our experience here versus like our our moments of free will you that help us we might make feel like we're making all the choices here but there's some things in our lives that just are beyond our control or we're part of a larger structured plan before we even entered into the 3D realm and that's That includes all of our passings, right? There are some experiences in our passings that we are just, we are meant to have. And we were meant to have an experience with each other in order for all of us to grow, including our animals. You know, the way they're passing or who they are with us and what transpires as they pass is also part of like a larger plan from the way that they talk about it. And looking at their passing amidst all that heart, and grief and being able to step back at some point to ask, so how did this help me grow and evolve even if it was painful? what What did I learn from this that they really wanted me to get, you know, from this type of passage. So what are these what do they talk to you guys about as far as you know, the larger plan or the lesson that we're sharing with this experience that we're having together or not together, right? in some cases? What have they shared with you about that?
1: Like for me personally, I'll I'll do a personal one, and then I'll share um, a couple gen- more general ones of of animals and clients. For me, I know that the passing of both Bono and India within six months of each other was a call to do this work full time. And they did that a number of ways. And I also know that there's like layers to the lessons that they shared that continue to unravel themselves because that's the joy of the human experience. (laughs) Um, The other thing, though, that I find it with clients is many times an animal will go suddenly in an effort to help people realize that there's only to some degree so much we can do and sometimes you know, I know I would prioritize my dog's health over my own. I would prioritize his health over my financial capabilities. And an animal knows this and they'll say, you know what, you don't need to go to that extreme. I'm going to take care of it. So you don't have to worry about trying to go above and beyond. And that may not be recognizable to the person in the moment, but in an animal communication session, things like that can be revealed. Yeah. Yeah.
2: How about you, Yeah, I agree. I've had that experience um, a good a good many times where the animal made it clear that they did go naturally while their owner wasn't home or suddenly even unexpectedly um, as part of the work that they're doing because they knew that their owners would overextend or they didn't want medical intervention or they didn't want to have to get in the car and go back to the veterinary hospital so they sort of set up the situation in a way where the owner didn't have to question any of those things. Mm-hmm. Even the question of whether or not to um, to call in for assistance in passing. A lot of clients have those questions, you know, did I do the right thing? Did I do it too soon? Did I? And so sometimes they'll go in a certain way that spares their owner from having to ask themselves or answer those questions or feel any guilt mm-hmm. over wondering whether they did it the right way or the wrong way. I've never once had an animal say to me, they did it the wrong way. Right. Same.
0: Mm-hmm. Because it, this is fascinating because even if the way it was done wakes up in a person, there are other ways beyond this in the future. Even that is not having done it wrong. Right. Because the animal is trying to wake up up our consciousness from this unconditional place of support and, you know, in our spirit. And so, you know, I've had people say to me, if I had only tightened the leash and they hadn't run out into the yard, or if I had only not let them off leash this time, or, you know, I wish I had known better than feeding this way that caused X, Y, Z, Yes, we all wish we had known, been able to, but there is something about that destiny of the experience that is almost like planned already in the stars a little bit, in order to wake up our consciousness, and that our souls are all part of the agreement before that even happens. And so, if we can move to a place of real gratitude for the animals' agreement to to teach us and to be a part of this learning that happens, then it wasn't necessarily a mistake. It was part of an agreement to learn, mm-hmm. you know, which is a very different way of looking at um, trauma and like, and tragedy. Cause some of these that we work with are really on the surface. The stories can be tragic, you know, mm-hmm. and heartbreaking.
1: Yeah. yeah. And there's a, there's two things from that. One is this sense of, you know, control that we, particularly this culture, right. That we like to believe that we have and, Sometimes, not not every single time, but sometimes through a, the animal's passing, it's also the ability or the opportunity for us to see how we may have tried to control something that really isn't in our control. None of this is in any of our controls. And so they'll try to do that too. And all of this being said, you know, again, and kind of repeating what you had said earlier, Karen, this is one of, I think, at least for me, has been one of life's hardest Periods whenever an animal that I have loved, even if that's not an animal that I'm a guardian of, but more of a, you know, a neighbor's animal, an animal on television, anything like that. It is extremely, for me, hard to go through witness. So we're not trying to make light of it and say that therefore you shouldn't grieve. We absolutely, actually, the three of us actually really believe that grieving is a normal human process and should be allowed and honored as such, even and even more so maybe than a pet with a pet, but even with a pet and not diminished in any way.
0: And I do want to go out on a limb here with this grieving topic and just say to some listeners who may get mad at me and some are going to agree with me that because an animal is truly an experience of unconditional love, no matter what we do, there is love in their eyes when they they wake up the next morning with us. And there is Immediate shift in forgiveness, no matter what we're doing, because it's just all about being together for them. So, the depth of the grief and losing, like, your soul baby, your real heart and soul baby can be as intense as losing a human. And I am sorry for the people who are going to be mad at me for saying that, but it's true for some of us. And that can gut you, right? In a way that you can make more sense sometimes of a human's passing. If they've had the experience of of communicating with you about what's happening, if they've had the experience of, you know, working with doctors and, and preparing themselves and preparing you and having those conversations, there's more understanding or even communication that can happen between us humans when we lose a human. But when we lose an animal, it truly, it, it's a little bit more um, private in that not everybody understands. And if you could see me right now, Dia just stood on my head, my cat,
2: to agree. So <laughs> yes. what do you guys yes. think of, you know, how
0: how are you feeling about that?
2: I um, completely agree with you. Any of us who have loved an animal, many of us who have loved an animal have perhaps had people who just didn't understand how strong our grief was when they when they passed. And it's almost a topic that people might be uncomfortable speaking out about because there are people around them who don't understand it was only a pet it was only a dog it was only a cat it was only a fish it doesn't matter grief is grief and the way that we love these animals and the way that they love us it's understandable that our grief should be so strong and what would Beautiful part of this community is that we all understand and we all talk about this all the time, but out in the, in the larger world, I'd love to see us normalize, um, having some grace and some compassion around understanding and holding space for someone after the loss of an animal, because a lot of people just don't get it.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, most places that I've worked, when a human passes in my life, I may get a couple of days bereavement leave. There's no time for pet bereavement, right? Wouldn't it be great if we allowed people the space and the time and the compassion, as you're saying, to actually go through that process? Give them, that they don't have to go to work the next day, you next know? Next day? Just, How about
0: the next week for some Exactly. People? Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, it's a little crazy. I,
0: I will be really honest and share that when I lost Hockey Puck, I was grief-stricken for six months,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? like. Yes, over those six months, things shifted and it found its place and I could breathe again and, you know, operate in the world again and sleep a little bit better. But honestly, those first few weeks were, uh, I mean, I was a zombie from the energy that's expended with that grief. And you're right. If we could give people the space to honor the depth of that love that they had, I think it would make it, it would make it
2: easier for people. Mm Mm-hmm. Or at least more supported. And to recognize that grief has no rule book, no timeline, no specifics. And it's different for every person. And it can be different for the same person in different experiences. We've got to honor that. And how wonderful that through animal communication, we can we can support people in a particular way.
1: Yeah. You
2: know, just because their animal has left this body and returned to divine source energy, universal energy, whatever that may mean to the person, they're still around. There's still energy. There can be signs from your animal and we can kind of help people understand some of the messages that their animal would still like to deliver to them, even though they're not here physically in 3D body anymore. Yeah. It's brought me a lot of comfort.
0: Yes. And haven't you, hasn't it? I've witnessed for, you know, the clients that I work with that, even just a little bit of opening of the heart to understand their animal's still there or that they saw the party they threw for them or the three stones that they put in the garden next to the Buddha that I wouldn't have known about. And then they sent me a picture like, oh my God, they did! They were there to witness that. So when we can deliver those kinds of um, hopeful messages that yes, there is more beyond the 3D realm and, and your animal is still waiting for you around you with your other loved ones, with your other animals guiding from that side, it definitely can take away at least the guilt part of the, the grieving process, which gives more space for healing, you know, Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. you agree? Mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's comforting to know that they're still here Um, I mean, I find it's comforting for me personally, but I also find that for clients that come to me for Mm -hmm. um, pet loss, grief support readings, that it's to know that they're still there in the signs. And many times that people can actually feel them, but don't trust that that's what they feel, like feel feel them up against them or feel them doing or like, you know, (laughs) messing with hair and whatnot. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. So just however, you know, whatever that all can be. And then I know both of you, Karen, you're a, a... doula and Meredith is learning to be a doula. And then I work with a trauma-informed yoga instructor to help with actual movement in pet loss grief circles. But I am a little curious about the doula aspect. So yeah, you guys talk about that.
0: (laughs) Well, it's really cool. Meredith's going through the same certification class that I went through. uh, I think it was like last year with the University of Vermont. It's a certification class and end of life companion animal doula right did I get that right that's a long word <laughs> um but really it what's fascinating about that is we and merits in it now but as we as I went through that class we learned a lot about hospice right and and being able to hold with compassion space for someone to really work through how they can manage their grief in the best way um and to be really a witness and a support for them, as opposed to giving too much, like you should do this and you should do that. When should comes into the story, that's not support, that's diminishing the other person. And so we learn, we learned a lot about holding space for someone and helping them come to a plan that they feel is good for them, which means it's going to be different for everyone. You know, and that process of going through that is, uh, is really powerful but the cool part about this is as you go through this program we're learning about it from the psychological and emotional perspective but at the same time we also have the benefit of hearing the animal side of what's going on for the person so it it, it expands the knowledge of how how and what they understand about grief and how their animal is doing on the other side while they're grieving or we always say on the other side but they're literally energetically like right here with us even though we think they're far away right meredith so how how is it going for you like this becoming a doula
2: uh well class just launched on wednesday so good question i will report back i feel like this is going to be very beneficial for me that Mm. some aspects of this particular um compassion and space holding are things that i do very naturally but i'm very interested in learning more about the psychology and the the learning that other people have achieved over the years you know how many people say the wrong thing how many times do you wonder if you said the right thing or the wrong thing there are so many different ways to approach someone's loss, whether it be human or animal. So I'm, I'm interested to learn from the folks that have come before Mm -hmm. and add that into, as we say, my, my toolbox of things that I can do to help support people in times of their grief.
0: That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And Julie, how is it going with you? You're, you're working with someone and you're doing pet loss or grief seminars, right? Or, or support groups.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We call them pet loss grief circles. When this episode airs, we'll have just done the second one. Um, And they're very sad. I I mean, I don't want to not take away the sadness. They're also very comforting um, because we do hear from the people that are there. We hear from the animals. And then my um, friend and colleague is a trauma-informed yoga instructor. So she's very much about how trauma grief sits in the body. And so she helps in the moment, she, and she's also really intuitive in that she feels where someone can can um, move, do a different yoga pose or actually just kind of move through to allow the grief to move through, not to get rid of it or to step out of it by any means, but to at least allow it some room for breath to come in and whatnot. So she she does that, and we do it for each person that's there. So we, t- we tune into each person and we tune into the animal that's there as well. And then we also have this really cool deck called the Rainbow Bridge deck that we learned about in our visits with the two crazy cat ladies, yes. which we'll, we'll talk with them at some point here too. Um, and we use that deck that we found through the two crazy cat ladies and you pull cards too and provide some additional messages as well. And it's, it's, really, it's really powerful in that so much that um, the last time we did it, I didn't I didn't allow it to process through me enough. And I actually got um I was really exhausted the very next day. So it's just grief is a really big thing and a really strong energy. Yeah. We need to respect it for what it is mm-hmm. and allow it to, to do what it needs to do.
0: And you know, the the other side of of grief is if we're grieving that deeply, I remind someone, you can't grieve that deeply if you didn't have such a great love experience. Mm-hmm. And the flip, the trade-off is the more we love, the more we're going to grieve. In some ways, it's so worth it to have touched the heart of an animal and be in their presence with this pure, unconditional love that we feel completely loved and seen by them in a way that sometimes you don't get from anyone else. In some ways, it's worth it. In some ways, it's the worst pain ever. So Mm -hmm. we, we just are sending love to all of you today that are listening to this. If you are in deep in your grief, or it's bringing up memories that um, you forgot, you know you you stuffed or put away for a long time, we understand and are sending you some extra love. And so are the animals. And I'm getting all these chills when I say this from all my animals that have passed that are supporting us today. Their expansion and their joy of being completely full and whole again is what they want us to think about when we think of them transitioning out of the body that they don't need anymore as they move back into this amazing wholeness you know that that for me in a nutshell is the rainbow bridge any last thoughts from you fabulous ladies about that from your animals that was beautiful nice yeah i totally agree yeah we hope you all enjoyed listening to us today we just are touching the surface of grief and the rainbow bridge and all the things that animals want us to know about and moving back into wholeness, like we all do and will at some point. But we hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Animal Communication Podcast. We ask and invite you to join us each week for more engaging chats with the three of us, Meredith, Tolleson, Julie Hurt, and me, Karen Dendy-Smith, about all things animal communication. And for more
1: information about each one of us and to keep up to date on our episodes, you can follow us on mindbodyspirit.fm, the website. And if you actually go to your favorite app store and download the mindbodyspirit.fm app, you can also use this really cool feature called Open Mic and that allows you to send all of us a question that you may have on any of our episodes, anything that you're curious about. So you can download that app and actually use that feature to talk to us directly. You can also learn more at our website, theanimalcommunicationpodcast.com. And if you're interested in attending an Animal Communication Collective event, which we talked about in our last, I think, last two episodes, uh, there is one coming up on Thursday, February 22nd. And you can visit the animalcommunicationcollective.com for all of the details. And we'll see you next week right here on the Animal Communication Podcast.